I wanted to share a story uh, to start off our message because we're still in this series called Baggage. Uh, and all of us have baggage in some form or another, right? And so the Soul Care series, somebody was uh, talking to me last week. They said, Pastor, is it, is it soul care or is it self-care? And I said, yes, it's both. That's exactly what soul care is. When you're on the airplane and they say, if there's a change in cabin pressure, masks will drop from the ceiling, put your mask on first before you help anybody else. And that's the subject of this series, is making sure that we in our soul, in our mind, are emotionally uh, balanced and healthy. And so how many know we all need that sometimes? Because life just has a way of delivering bumps and dings and scrapes and scratches and bruises. And whether we realize it or not, every once in a while, we need to step back and take inventory of ourselves. And so that's why we want to do these, uh, these types of series every once in a while. And so um, I spent about four and a half years in Florida. That's where I went to high school. Uh, football in Florida is like a religion. I know you hear that about Cali. I know you hear that about Texas. But once you reach the southern states, football is like a god. And so I can remember in junior high, we had team doctors. In junior high, we had vitamins that they would give us for lunch. And so that's, the, that's how they approached football. Uh, and so by the time I got to high school, I can remember uh, my first year in high school, our team at the time uh, already wasn't very good. Uh, and then this particular game, um, we had a bunch of people who were hurt, and so we were kind of shorthanded on our team. And so uh, you know what Ironman football is? It's when you have to play offense and defense. And how many know once you get to the high school level, you can't really do that because people are, are very, very good, and we didn't have a choice. And the team we were playing wasn't the best team, but we still lost just because we didn't have enough people to sub in and out of. But I can remember this particular game um, having to play both offense and defense, and I, I thought that was cool at first. That's kind of a brag. Yeah, man, I had to play both ways, right? After the first quarter, I started realizing how exhausted I was and thinking that there is no way... <laughs> There's no way we can keep up with this. By the middle of the second quarter, I was signaling to my coach, you've got to take me out. Take me out. And so my coach calls me. He calls me out, and he goes, what's going on? And I'm leaning over, and I said, coach, <laughs> my ankle hurts, my wrist hurts, and I have to throw up. I am exhausted. And he goes, okay, go over there and throw up. And I can remember like yesterday, going over and hanging onto a chain link fence, leaning over and just letting go right? I come back to the sideline and my coach says, did you throw up? And I said, yes. He said, good. Now get back in there. And I went back into the game. There's something in the sports world. For those of you who are athletes, you can relate to this. Sometimes you have to play hurt. Sometimes you have to play hurt. Now, um, for me, that wasn't, you know, I mean, there was nothing really iconic about for me, it was heroic, but to you, that means nothing, right? But here's some other sports figures who had iconic games because they had to play when they were hurt. In 1993, a guy by the name of Emmett Smith, you might have heard of him, uh, was in the final game of the regular season. The victor of this game would win the division and continue to the playoffs. By the way, I played against his brother, Emery. He went to uh, 
uh, a rival school in, in Pensacola, Florida, called Escambia. Um, that's one of my claims to fame. <laughs> um, played against his brother. Uh, but Emmett Smith would go down from a hard tackle. He would dislocate and separate his shoulder. There was nothing the doctors could do on the field. So he continued to play with one arm. Uh, long story short, he finishes the game with 229 yards. 78 yards came with his sh uh, hurt shoulder. Um, and then they went on, of course, to win the Super Bowl that year. So my coach, we call that being tough. My coach had another word. He called it grit. Do you have grit? How many know Emmett Smith had grit to play with a separated shoulder? You might have heard of this one, Tiger Woods. In 2008, he would suffer a stress fracture on one of his knees. It was two weeks before the U.S. Open. But that didn't stop him from playing. After each swing, he would wince and grimace in pain. That particular day, at the end, he had four excellent rounds. He would win the championship in a sudden death playoff against a guy you might not have heard of named Rocco Mediate. Of all the dominant performances of his career, the most famous one was the one where he only had one good leg and he still won the championship. And let me give you one more. This one is close to my heart. In 1997, a guy you might have maybe heard of him, his name is Michael Jordan. In the NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz, by the way, the greatest basketball player who ever lived, let's just end the debate now. Just saying. <laughs> I know I'm going to get it after this. <laughs> they were in the NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz. MJ had the flu. He wasn't sure if he was going to play. At 5.50 p.m., he rolls out of bed. He makes it to the court by 7 p.m., the tip-off. When they interviewed him, here's what Michael had to say. He said, no matter how sick I was or how tired I was, I felt an obligation to go out and give the extra effort for my team. That game when he was sick as a dog, he was wearing a, you might remember some of the images of the towel hanging over his head on the sidelines. He scores 38 points. They win that game. They go on to win game six and eventually become the NBA champions. That was championship number five of six. Just make note in case you want to debate later. Um, that was his fifth championship. How do you know Michael had grit? He had grit. And so there are many characteristics that we can point to that contribute to what we call success. You hear a lot about IQ. Anybody, have you ever taken an IQ test? Right, they say 100 is about average. They say if you get into 140, you're like really smart. By 160, you're like considered a genius. So IQ, intelligent quotient, that's how smart or intelligent someone is. But recently, there's been a kind of a rediscovery after a lot of research, psychologists, scientists agree that across all ethnic, all socioeconomic, all educational, all psychological backgrounds, one particular characteristic is emerging as a significant factor to success. It's not IQ. It's called AQ, or adversity quotient. AQ measures how effectively one responds to adversity and their ability to continue to work through that adversity. And they're finding out of all the characteristics one can have, that one will get you to success, almost guaranteed. And so that sounds a lot like grit. Say grit. Grit can be defined as a resolve or a courage 
or a strength. The professional world defines grit as a resilience or a perseverance and a passion for a long-term goal. It's an ability to, to stick with it. There was a word that was made up that I like. It's called stick-to-itiveness. It's like being able to keep on keeping on even when it seems like you can't. Even when things get rough, get tough, and get scary, you just are able to push through. And so some people obviously have it naturally. The great news is that anybody can find it and it can be developed. Now, you won't find that word grit in the Bible per se, but the Bible is full of gritty examples and gritty people. So we can start with Noah. It took him decades to build the ark. And people would ask him why. He says, because it's going to rain. And I don't know if you know this, but before that time, there was no rain on the earth. And so when he said it's going to rain and flood, people are going, what's rain? But he pushed through. There's Joseph. He had to endure an Egyptian prison. He had to endure being um, uh, wrongly accused for different, different major things in his life. Going to prison and being held there for years but pushing through and coming out and eventually leading, being second in command of the, over that nation. Then there's Gideon, who was the smallest and weakest in his family. There was a time where Israel had to fight. He was the leader. And going against a, a gigantic Midianite army, he only had 300, and he won. Grit. In our context, as we talk about soul care, as, we talk, as we're talking about having and maintaining a, a healthy soul and a balanced mind one thing that will help us according to today's findings is grit say it with me one more time say grit so we need grit to live in this world we need grit to follow Jesus because let me just set the record straight being a follower of Jesus is not easy you thought you would give your life to Christ you were touched you maybe shed some tears and you thought oh it's going to be all blessing blessing's part of it but so is trouble. The Bible guarantees that in this life we will have trouble, but we're going to go to our main text. We're going to follow somebody who had tons of grit. His name was the Apostle Paul. Not only did he have grit, he was teaching a young pastor named Timothy what he was going to need in order to be successful as a pastor and successful in life. And he said, of all the things, the main one that you're going to need is grit. Now, he didn't say it as grit, but he used words like perseverance, and he used words like endurance, which is basically grit. So here, Paul is writing to Timothy from jail. Talk about grit. He's writing this from jail. He's having to be happy in jail. The book of Philippians, we did a series on last year. That whole book is about joy. That whole book was written by Paul while he was in jail. I don't know about you guys, how happy you would be if you were locked up in jail. But Paul, he, he, he would grind it out. But he knew exactly how tough life was. He'd been through it all. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been bitten by poisonous snakes and venomous critters. Anybody here, you don't like critters? Has anybody ever found a scorpion in their house? Man, I got to show you a video of my boys. 
conquering this scorpion. It was about that big, but it was on the wall. I don't know. It took them like half an hour, I think. But they finally got it, and they, uh, my boys. But Paul knew what it was like to have to push through and grind it out in life. And now there's a young pastor, and he's saying, I've done it. I've been there. I've been through it. And now I'm telling you how you're going to do it. So throughout this whole letter that we're going to get into, Paul is teaching him that one of the most important things to succeed is grit. Again, the Bible doesn't use that word, but it uses other words. And why do we need grit? Why did Timothy need grit? Because the church in Ephesus, which he was leading, was in big trouble. You had false teachers, you had false prophets, you had accusers. And much like you learned last week with our church, there was questions about if this one was going to make it. And how many know God is faithful? And God can get a church through if it belongs to him. And if we hang on and if we push through. And how many know it took grit to get to where we are today? For Pastor Matt to get up and be as honest as he was last week. How many know that takes grit? For him to make it and to admit that for years he was having to, to, to take care of himself and encourage himself grit and he's here today and he's celebrating the birth of his second daughter so 2 Timothy chapter 2 we're going to read verse 1 through 10 I'm going to kind of jump around and chop it up but I'll start here in verse 1 it says you then my child this is Paul speaking to his spiritual son Timothy Uh, in other versions he says you then my son be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be capable to teach others also. Now, I want you to see something here before we go further. Um, Here, uh, and that's the key in the pursuit of what we're calling grit. I'm encouraging you guys to go after this. Some of you have it naturally. For those who maybe don't, it, it doesn't come as natural, we're saying this is something you need to run after and go for. But Paul here, he's going to set us up with three analogies, okay? In verse 3, he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Is there anybody here who serves in our U.S. military? Is that anybody here? Can we give Doc Johnny a hand? And then my wife also who is teaching, she's not here. Oh, there she is in the back hiding. Look at you looking all good and everything. Why you got to look at me like that? But thank you guys for your, for your sacrifice and, and all that you do um, and what your families go through. I, and, and I'm speaking from experience. I remember times where Vilma would get deployed for seven, eight, nine months, and it was just me and the boys. And, you know, and we'd have chicken nugget parties like five days of the week. I mean, that's how we rolled, right? And so, um, you know, and I appreciate the businesses that, that, you know, give them. We always ask, do you do military discount, Right? And that's a blessing sometimes. And there's some businesses who will say, oh, we only give discounts to the active duty member. As if the family doesn't go through things also. Just saying. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to stop there. Share in suffering. Listen to these words. Share in suffering is a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete... The second picture, uh, or the second example. An athlete is not crowned 
unless he uh, competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer, here's the third one, who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. This is Paul again in jail, in chains, happy again, grinding it out. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Father, bring your word to life. Father, may we not just be hearers, may we be doers. And Father, I pray you do something uh, in our hearts, do something in our souls, do something in our minds today with what your word says. And may it change us. In Jesus' name, amen. So three opening verses, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. Paul mentions three qualities that should characterize Timothy. In verse 1, it was strength. If you want to be gritty, you're going to need strength. Verse 2 was foresight. Verse 3 was endurance. If you're going to be a gritty Christian, if you're going to be a gritty follower of Christ, you're going to need these things. And then in verse Verses 4 through 6, Paul shares three images. There was a military image, there was an athletic image, and then there was an agricultural image. And we're going to touch a little bit on these as we go forward. But I want to tell you this. While we talk about grit, it sounds like a lot of that is in our court. And in a lot of ways, that's true. But grit from the Christian perspective, doesn't start with you. Grit begins with God and his grace. So here's verse 1. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ. I'll read it to you again. You then, my child, he's telling Timothy, you, my son, be strengthened by what? By the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because grit alone will get you so far, but it will drop you as soon as it runs out. And so because grit is not enough, we need God. It's not, about, it's not about just straight up blood and guts. When you hear grit, that's what you think of at first. You know, it's all about you, man. Grind it out, tough it out. But when you read the stories of the Bible, there was a, there was a determining factor. His name was God. When you start there and then you have to crank it out, it's a different ball game. So I came up with this kind of clever, um, let's call it a uh, formula, I guess, maybe, uh, acronym, something. Um, it's using the word GRIT, G-R-I-T, and it's this, G plus R equals I-T, grace plus reliance, and that's the key, equals inner toughness. Now, I don't know about you, but if you realize that the world we live in is a tough place, just two years ago, it was totally different. Everything was different. I mean, to the way that people think, to the way that they act, to the way that they respond, to the things that you buy. How many have seen the price of gas lately? I see you all depressed by it. <laughs> you don't even want to respond. 
I put in my card the other day. It usually cost me about 70 bucks to fill up my, my SUV. You're only allowed to authorize $100 at a time. And I was watching the pump, and I was pumping the gas in my car, and it said 80, and then it said 90, and I was like, there's no way. But I'm looking at the gallons, and I'm like, man, by the time it hit 100, it cut off automatically. There was still room in my tank to put more gas, but how many know I did not put more gas? I stopped right there. I was like, man, $100. And my wife, she tracks our account, right? And I said, babe, do you know how much gas costed us? She was like, 100 bucks. I was like, yeah. A hundred. Anyway, this world is different. How many know you're going to need some grit to get through? And so Paul mentions a soldier. And a soldier, when you think about it, we just talked about it, does not have an easy life. Just by nature. The nature of the job is determined by, by missions. And we have different branches in the service. And each branch has a different mission. But each mission requires all-in participation from that soldier, from that sailor, uh, from that airman, whatever, whatever branch they're in, they, it, it requires from them. And it requires time away. And sometimes it, it requires grueling things and sometimes very emotional things. So Paul is highlighting a soldier here. And he wants us to learn from the soldier, but as tough as a soldier has it, I look at our life, and we don't have to do anything anymore. Anybody got one of those um, robot vacuums? How many got a robot vacuum? Don't lie, it was worth every penny, wasn't it? You know it. My wife comes home, I'm like, babe, I vacuumed. <laughs> Sit back, watch TV, vacuum. And then my sister, just when I thought that was crazy, my sister... Uh, for Christmas, buys us a robot mop. It is excellent. It is incredible. I mean, it does a better job than we do <laughs> when we mop, right? Well, my wife mops. I've, I've mopped before. Not very often. And then I started thinking about this, and I realized that my kids have never touched a lawnmower in their life. Have you, Zach? Okay, maybe that's a better description. When I was a kid, I had to cut the grass every week. Anybody with me? If, you, if I wanted money, I had a paper route. I was 12 years old, 5 a.m., riding my bike. I'm not making this up. You know how parents are like, oh, I would ride five miles in the snow, right? I didn't have to do that, but I had a paper route. That's how I'd get paid. If I wanted extra money, I'd go knock on doors. Can I cut your grass? And I would get money that way. And that's the way we lived. But nowadays, you know, I, I Leah talked about it a little bit this morning. You know, we have distractions in life. And now we have distractions that fit in our pocket. We got the whole world of distractions in the palm of our hand. And the reason why I don't spend too much time on social media is because once I look and then I look at the clock, two and a half hours has passed whether it's recipes, whether it's sports clips, it's so distractions. So our world is very different. And we have entire generations now that, and I'm not knocking anybody, 
but let's just be honest. We have entire generations. It's different. The, the, the way they do life and the effort is different. And while the old people complain about them, how many know the old people, that we created them. You talk about millennials, you talk about Gen Z, and then you talk about, what's the, what's the one after the Gen Z? I don't know. They're going to make up the name here shortly. But we, we talk about the way they behave and they act. But you know what? That's not a young people problem. That's a parenting problem. Because parents wanted to protect and we didn't want our kids to, to go through what we went through. Or we want our kids to have more than what we had. And so now we've created this, this thing where it's almost like our kids are not as prepared for, for real life. And we, we tell our kids everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be okay, and we protect them. And then we realize that one day mom and dad won't be here. And our kids are going to have to be in the real world by themselves. And where we say everything is, is okay and everything's going to be fine and, and don't worry about it, the real world says, no, not everything is okay. How many know we need grit? But raw grit is basically operating under your own strength. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to operate under our own strength. This is why we need God in the picture. That's why G plus R, resilient, uh, reliance. Reliance on God, that's where we start. The grit we operate in, the strength we operate in, starts with God's grace. That not only gives us the ability, God's grace keeps us balanced. Because where the world will want to punish you all the time, God will say, I forgive you. Where the world will say you have no hope or no choice, God says, look, you find freedom in me. We're going to get into this a little bit more. Why else do we need grit? Because we are called to share in Christ's suffering. I was sharing a little bit. We have a huddle before we uh, come out and do service. And so we get our leaders together, everybody who has a little responsibility or is volunteering. Uh, we get together and we kind of run through the service. This is what it's going to be like. This is who's talking. This is what they're talking about. And worship will share with the songs they're singing and kind of what God is doing, you know, in them and and so we were back there. So when it came time for me to talk about today's message, I was saying, you know, we, uh, and I'll, say, I'll just say the Western church, but I, actually now that I think about it, I think it's just the West, not even church, I think just in life. We have this weak idea of suffering. We see suffering as completely harmful. We see suffering as something that we don't want to take part of. We see suffering as something we want to avoid as much as possible, whether us or our children, and, and that's understandable. It's understandable. But I'm here to tell you that it's not all bad. And I think this is where the church has gotten some things wrong because we'll tell you, oh, just hold on to God's promises. He'll deliver you, he'll heal you, and I've seen God do all of that. But there are sometimes people don't see the same release that others might. And so we get rejected, and we start to feel bad, and we start to get angry, and we start to resent God a little bit. And the reason why is because we don't see suffering the way God sees suffering. 
And God says, you know, some of these things that, that, that you have to go through, there's gold in there. There's diamonds in there, but you won't find it unless you go through it. And so where we normally avoid suffering, we need to rethink this and say, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then remember that because God has given us grit, we can make it. Sometimes we're just scared to, to try. It's not all bad. Paul says, learn from the soldier. Look at verse 3. Uh, sorry, Chris, I'm jumping around on you, man. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. His aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Another version says the commanding officer. Now, if you think of a one who serves in the military, again, just think about what's happening in Ukraine right now. People who are having to become soldiers that weren't trained to be soldiers. You guys have heard the stories. Their life is totally changed and totally different. All of a sudden, there's a brand new reality. But I love the spirit and the fight that we read and hear about in the Ukrainian people. And I, I'll just say it. Russia thought they were going to come in and sweep right through. And guess what? We're weeks into this thing, and they are not where they want to be. And it's because of the Ukrainian people. There's something in them. It's called grit. And they're saying, nah, not my country. I don't know about you, man. That makes me want to write a story and movie. And I mean, I tell you, something good, good is going to come out of this. So a military member often finds their lives challenging and finds their lives uncomfortable. And you'll always have to be willing to change. And you'll always have to be willing when you're serving in the military to, to adapt. You always have to be ready to fight. Doesn't that sound like life by itself? Not just a military thing. That sounds like life. Always be ready to change. Always be ready to adapt. Again, our whole world stopped. Came to a grinding halt. Did anybody ever in your life dream that you would see that day? I never did. In a moment, the whole world can change. And we got to be ready. And I think where people are hung up and shipwrecked, where people are on the rocks is because maybe there wasn't as much grit. There wasn't as much readiness. So one soldier was, had just uh, uh, graduated from a military academy. They were interview, uh, interviewing him. Um, they asked him about this toughness. Let's call it grit. And here's what he had to say uh, specifically about it. He said, grit is a trait that is developed in something that you grow in. It's very similar to religion. He was a Christian, by the way. That's why you'll hear some of this. Everyone has it in them. I hope that encourages you. Everyone has it in them. You just have to know that it will not always come easy. Just like becoming a Christian, it doesn't make things easier. It just makes you have a purpose and makes things more Rewarding. You start to see the attitude here, the attitude change where most people would see something totally negative, stay away, leave it alone. He said, no, 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 no. You just got to shift some things. It's not all bad. And then he says, um, basic training and technical school was only a short time, but I still go through the same training, the same exercises. I go uh, through the same uniform standards, 
It hasn't, listen to this, it hasn't gotten any easier. I've just gotten used to it. How many of us can say that? He says, it hasn't gotten any easier. I've just gotten used to it. I've learned to adapt and accept that that's the way it is. And it makes me a better soldier and a better person. If we all took that attitude. He continues by saying, embrace the hard times. Because when you allow God to shape you and form you, your threshold increases. And the next time something hits you, you're better prepared. The Bible says, learn from the soldier. Learn from the soldier. Then it says, and I'll just say this real quick because I want to get to the next point. The soldier's aim is to please the commanding officer. And the point is clear. Jesus is our commanding officer. He's the one who enlists us. In the military, there's, a, there's an understanding. When your superior tells you to do something, and for those of you who raise your hand, you can attest to this. When your superior tells you to do something, it's obey now, ask questions later. Now, if Jesus is our commanding officer, how many of us take that approach with him? Because we have a Bible that's full of our directives. We have a Bible that tells us what to do. The hope is that that commanding officer is out for your good. Now, we've all had bosses who were great, and we've all had bosses that weren't so great. We've had bosses who were out for you, looking out for you, and we've had bosses that were looking out for themselves. And here's the thing about Jesus, our commanding officer. He's totally trustworthy. He's totally about you. He totally has your best interest in mind. So when he says do something, we don't have to say, what is this about, God? Just do it. He's got your best in mind, and he promises if you do it my way, watch and see what I do. Can you imagine if a commanding officer says, drop and give me 50, and the person goes, uh, no, I don't really feel like it. Right? But that's what we do to Jesus. Ah, oh, you know, God, church is kind of early on Sunday. I'm a normal, I don't have to go any further, do I? Right? God tells us to, to, to handle our families a certain way. Yeah, but God, he says to, uh, you know, handle certain situations, maybe at work or somewhere else. Handle it a certain way. The Bible tells us, but God, I don't want to forgive. That one was pretty bad. We have our directives, and we have a commanding officer, and it says if you want to please the commanding officer, just do what he says. And so for us, there doesn't have to be any hesitation. There doesn't have to be any hesitation because he cares for us. Now, I started off by telling you a story about playing hurt. Now, I don't want to be as crazy as my coach was. My coach was pretty crazy. In some ways, I appreciated it. In some ways, I hated it. But I want to be clear that although there are times that we have to be tough, and there are times where we have to be gritty. And there are times where maybe something happened, but you know you still have to show up that day. And you still have to get in the game. And you still have to play hurt. There are also times 
when you're too hurt to play. When it comes to something like that, this is where you don't try to determine these things on your own. That's why it's important to be a part of a, of a spiritual community. You know, I like what uh, our pastor in uh, Poland said. He said, you know, there's a difference between being a part of an organization and being part of a spiritual family. A spiritual family will go out of their way for you. They will take care of you. And when you're close to somebody, they'll tell you, hey, I think you need a break. Or I'm sensing, are you okay? Can I pray for you? How many can appreciate somebody who's honest with you in that way? If you've ever tried to carry something on your own, if you've ever tried to, to show up with that game face, but inside you're, you're hurting. And so we've all experienced these times where we were too hurt to play. And so um, let me fast forward, but I want to tell you one quick story. Um, and maybe somebody can relate with this. But um, there was a time where uh, we were uh, in, in the Guam church. Uh, and I was leading a team in Saipan. It's a neighboring island. Where's Art? We were just talking about Saipan yesterday. And so I was leading a missions team to Saipan. And we were there for, I think we were there for like about, about a week. And then, you know, great things happened. God moved. But something also happened very terrible while I was over there. So I get back to Guam. I get in the car. My wife picks me up from the airport. And I'm telling her all these great things that, that God did, all these great things that happened. And then, you know, she's like, great, that's great, that's wonderful. We get home. We get in the house. And she says, you need to sit down. And I said, okay. I already knew it was serious. She said, something happened. I said, okay. She said, your, your brother Robert passed away. That already hurt. And I said, how? At first, I'm like, wow, what? I said, how? She said, he killed himself. And I was done. I mean, I was groveling. I don't know if you know what it feels like to grovel. Like rolling around, asking God, what? Why? What happened? How many know I was angry right away? And there's some things that we are not designed to carry by ourselves. But I was in a spiritual community and a spiritual family who noticed and recognized and they said, you're not by yourself. We're going to walk with you. We're going to carry you. But you need to sit this one out. And if you've ever had a spiritual leader tell you that you need to sit out for a moment, sometimes that hurts. Like, why? Why'd you take me out of the game? You know, and, and leaders aren't perfect, but sometimes just, just trust your leader. And so I was too hurt to play and I consider myself pretty tough. You know, I came up in that generation where we just did things. We were spontaneous. You know, we, you know, stuff like it. But, but God said, no, 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 time out. You need to sit this one out. 
And so you don't understand the pain of something when you're in the middle of it. And you don't, you wonder, God, how can, how can you bring anything good out of that? But God knows better than we do. And when God says, I can bring good even out of your suffering, he means it. And so through that experience, I've been able to help other people who have been through that. Uh, does the pain go away? No, not really. Do the questions go away? No, not really. But I can attest to you, and I can testify that God is still good. And God is still on the throne. You know, and if anybody knows somebody who took their own life, you know, it's crazy how Christians teach that, um, that that's like an unpardonable sin. Like if you take your own life, oh, man, you don't go to heaven. It's like, really? The only unpardonable sin that I know in the Bible is, is uh, uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a whole other sermon. Okay, we're not going to get into it today. But that's the only unpardonable sin that I know of. But yet the Christian church will tell you somebody who takes their life goes straight to you know where. And I'm here to tell you I don't agree with that because I don't actually read anything in the Bible that says that. So although my coach was pretty crazy and he'll throw you back into the game, when you're around people who care about you and who love you and who know you, they won't let you play if you're too hurt because it's for our own good. It's for our own good. Last Friday when I was hanging out with the youth group, um, I spent some time uh, talking to Donnell, who was an All-American basketball player. We were talking about injuries in sports, and he said, you know, one thing about when you injure yourself, sometimes if you're too hurt and you continue to push through, all of a sudden you start to block that pain out. And you continue to play, and you'll either overcompensate with another part of the body, or you just go numb and you don't realize that you're playing hurt and you'll hurt yourself even more. And this is why it's important. When, when you start to get a, a significant hurt or injury or emotional trauma, it's important to have other people in your life to help figure out what's going on. You know these professional athletes, when they get hurt, they have physical therapists, they have the greatest equipment, they have the, the, the most incredible technology. And you wonder how somebody can, can have an almost season-ending injury and then be back in like six weeks. It's because they have people working on them all the time. All the time. And so for us, sometimes your help might look like a friend sitting next to you. Your help might be, might be you know, somebody else in, in the church who you know but you didn't know they cared about you that much. And they'll come and they'll check on you. And maybe they'll say, you know, hey, I noticed something. Can I, can I pray for you? How many know if you're not connected to a spiritual family, you don't get that kind of care? And even though we may disagree on some things or get offended by things, how many know we're family? We're brothers and sisters. I don't know. You ever heard of a brother divorcing a sister or something? It doesn't work that way. We're family. We're all in this together, uh, right? That's the way God designed it for us to need each other. And this is why we encourage you. This is not the time to play church because we're in a hurting world. And even though we ourselves need to pause like this sometimes and we ourselves need to get care sometimes, 
there's a whole world out there that needs you. They need you. My last point is this, and we'll start to close up. The reason why we need grit is because grit leads to changed lives. If you trust God and you push through, the first life that's changed is yours. If you will keep on keeping on, your life will change. I, I promise you, I've been through it many times. Not too many, thank God. Several times. Grit leads to change lives. Talks about an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You look up any sport and you'll find cheaters. You'll find somebody who's doping. You'll find there was a story of a woman who ran a marathon and she started posting, oh gosh, oh, I left it all out on the track. And oh, I got my best time ever. And then somebody who was familiar with the marathons was looking through times and said, there's no way this girl ran this time. And so he kind of went back and did some research, found out that she gave her number to a guy who was fast. He ran it, and then she got that number back and kind of ah, finished the finish line. You know, ah, then, you know, selfie, selfie, post, post, oh, my best time. And they caught her. How many know that our world loves to take shortcuts? The encouragement here is this. Paul is saying, learn from the athlete now. And when you're following God, there are no shortcuts. Trust God. Go through the process. When you do, you'll be better off because of it. And then finally, it says it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. When a farmer farms, he scatters seed. That's what God calls us to do. Calls us to scatter seed. 2 Timothy 2, verses 7 through 10. Let me read it again. It says, think over what I say. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. Say suffering. Christ invites us to participate in his suffering. He said, if I've suffered, so will you. Has anybody ever suffered? Okay, so this shouldn't take you by surprise, okay? And then, uh, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The reason why we have grit, like the athlete, like the farmer, is because there's an expectation at the end. An athlete competes to win a prize. A farmer works and toils for a reward. It's called a harvest. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not grow weary. I'll say it again. Let us not grow weary of do, for doing good for in due season like the farmer we're talking about, like the athlete we're talking about. In due season, we will reap if we do not give up. If we do not give up. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But I know that God is faithful. 
And I know that God knows. And I know that God has the ability to get you through. Grit starts with God's grace. We don't do it on our own. We hang on to him and we let him take us through because sometimes that problem that you're trying to pray away, God's going, no, 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 I have something in that. That, that issue that you think, man, is such a pain to me, God's going, he's going, hold on, hold on, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay. This one's tough, I know. It's tough. And God's saying, hang with me. Don't give up yet. Don't give up yet. And the person who had the most incredible grit ever was somebody named Jesus. I was just telling Tracy this morning just a little bit about my trip to Israel. I owe you guys some stories. And I know it's just, we, we just don't have time in the service. I'll get to it, so I think I'll do piece by piece as I preach. I almost showed you a picture today, but I want to save it for Easter. But one of the things we did while we were in Israel is we walked the path Jesus walked when he carried the cross. And man, I tell you, just walking with my camera bag was <laughs> not easy. And I can imagine Jesus who is carrying this piece of wood, this tree that's probably giving him splinters. That's probably too heavy for him. I mean, the Bible says he fell, you know, and then he'd have to pick it back up. He was thirsty. And if anybody had grit, if anybody had to grind it out, it was Jesus. And think about why he did it. It was for me and it was for you. Just like Jesus, we grind it out because there's others who are waiting to have what we have. Jesus was just like us. He cried out, God, is there any other way? We've ever, we prayed those prayers before. God, is there another way? God, can you just answer? God, can you just provide? God, can you just make it different? God, can you make it better? And Jesus was saying, God, can you take this cup from me? And he says, but not my will, yours. And he went through with it, knowing what was in store for him. And he died for you and me. I don't know about you, but if I knew, you know, the, you ever been on Instagram and it says, this is how you're going to die or when you're going to die. You ever seen those? You ever? Just, okay, don't look. Don't. I see those and I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to even pretend and act like I'm going to have an idea Right? And I start going, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You do not have any, right? But Jesus knew, and he still did it. Talk about strength. Talk about endurance and perseverance. Talk about grit. Jesus was the man when it came to that. Father, thank you for this church. Lord, thank you what you're doing here. Father, thank you that you're healing us and you're making us better because you want us to heal. Watch others be healed and be made better also. Father, if there's anybody who is in a situation that feels like it's too much, if there's anybody in a situation and they just don't get it and it doesn't make sense, Lord, I pray for grace and I pray for strength and endurance. And Lord, I pray for grit, the ability to push through. And I thank you that there's a reward on the other side of it. That's your promise that you'll get us through. Not that you'll always take it away. Not that you'll always make it better, but you'll always be there with us as we go through. Father, we love you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen.